Welcome to Whole Brain Teaching, the podcast. Join your host, Rhonda Arl and Laura Forehand. We want to help you as teachers reach your full potential by keeping you up to date with all the latest and best Whole Brain Teaching strategies. Whole Brain Teaching is a grassroots educational reform movement founded by Coach Chris Biffle, Jay Vanderfin, and Chris Rexstad. Whole Brain Teaching's goal is to create peaceful classrooms through orderly fun. To support the podcast, please like and share with other teachers. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. And now, here are Laura and Rhonda. Hi there. Welcome to Whole Brain Teaching, the podcast. My name is Laura Forehand. We are so glad that you are joining us today. Um, I am a platinum certified whole brain teaching instructor. I teach second grade in Missouri, and I am here as always with my amazing whole brain teaching best friend ever, Rhonda. How are you doing, Rhonda? Well, thanks for that introduction, Laura. I'm doing pretty good. Um, I'm Rhonda Arlt. I'm a platinum certified instructor as well. And I teach second grade in Goddard, Kansas. And so happy and delighted to be here with you today, Laura. Yes, it's always so fun to get together and and talk. So yeah, today we are um, going to be talking about part two of the classroom rules. So we are closing in on our last four weeks of school here, which is so hard to believe. You know, it was kind of a rough go at the beginning of the school year with COVID and everything. And so we wanted to be sure that our podcast focused on the whole brain teaching basics. And in all honesty, I am not sure I could have survived this school year without those whole brain teaching basics from the cycle that we used to teach everything that we discussed. And we discussed those in our first few episodes of the podcast to our latest podcast that we just finished recording about a week ago on the classroom rules. Um, It has just helped me to maintain that much needed level of normalcy, if you will, in a school year that has been anything but normal. Um, So how have you been doing this school year? How many more weeks of school do you have left, Rhonda? And, you know, talk about anything that's kind of helped you as you near the end of your school year. Okay, we have about four, four and a half weeks left too. And um, I would probably just agree with what you have said. Um, I think at the beginning of the school year, the uncertainty with how you were going to do things with what we had to do, you know, with the cleaning, the masks and everything, it it just felt good to have the whole brain teaching basics to lean on. I mean, Mm -hmm. I knew... I wasn't sure about the school year, but I knew I had those basics to lean on and it's what got me through. And I felt like, you know, it provided a routine for the kids and to be engaged. And after having about nine weeks off in the summer off to come back, I mean, it was, it's a struggle for the kids. And I mean, I think whole brain teaching, especially those basics was a godsend for me and the kids. Mm -hmm. And um, hopefully it's something that you know, with what they've learned through all this, that they will take them on to their, their next year, their third grade year. So yeah, yeah, I agree with you definitely helped keep the normalcy. And I needed that. 
I think as a teacher too, I, 100%. I, I needed, you know, something that was, I was used to because there were so many unknowns and uncertainties for this school year that it was nice to have that to, to support you in yes. your, and to teach. Yes, definitely. Okay. Well, as Laura mentioned, our latest podcast was on the classroom rules and there's just so much of classroom rules that we felt like we needed to do a part one and a part two. Yes. So if you haven't had a chance to listen um, to our part, part one, please do so. You want to listen to that one before this one that we do today. And so today we're going to talk about part two of the classroom rules. Once you've taught your students the five rules plus that diamond rule, you're ready for some tools to put in your back pocket. We always talk about this toolbox or this mm -hmm. back pocket of, of things to pull from yeah. to help keep these rules at the forefront of your classroom management from the beginning of the year to the very mm -hmm. end. So mm -hmm. today we are going to talk about rule rehearsal, rule call outs, wrong way, right way practice, three-peat, and a timer game. So we have a lot to cover. So let's get started with rule rehearsals. What is meant by rural rehearsals, Laura? Yeah, I think that you mentioned this in our last podcast, Rhonda, um, but whole brain teaching classroom rules are not just posters that we are going to put up on the wall at the beginning of the school year as part of our classroom decor. Now, I don't know about you, but that is how I did things pre whole brain teaching it was like, let me find something that's going to match the decor, polka dots or chevrons. Absolutely. Yeah. And so you put those usually up. like up in a corner somewhere, you know, not right directly in front. They were just up out of the way. Exactly. And they're up there. And then like you might have talked about them the first couple of days or maybe the first week or two of school. And then somehow they were never referred to again. So, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So but the whole brain teaching rules are different. They are more than just decor for our classrooms that we never refer to again. Instead, what we do is we weave whole brain teaching rules throughout our daily instruction, which increases student engagement decreases problem behavior and also adds that funtricity that is so important to our classrooms. So in order to do that, we have to be sure we are reviewing these rules several times a day. And in fact, Coach B kind of recommends reviewing them three to five times a day if you're a K-5 teacher. And then correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's middle school and high school, isn't it at the beginning of each period that they should? I think so. I think so. It makes sense anyway. Okay. So we'll say that at the beginning of each class period for a middle school or high school teacher. So first be sure to go back to our latest podcast as Rhonda mentioned and find out how to teach those, those rules and they, they all have gestures with them. So be sure to check that out. Um, you cannot use the rules if students do not know the rules. So that's why the rule rehearsal is so important. You wanna teach them the gestures for each rule using that whole brain teaching basics teaching cycle. So in my classroom, even with four weeks left of school, we review our rules at least three times a day, sometimes more if I'm noticing behavior issues that need to be addressed. Um, for example, and we just talked about this before getting on the podcast, you know, we're kind of noticing that students are becoming a little more chatty towards the end of the school year. Um, mm -hmm. Everybody's excited for summer break. It's been, it's been a longer school year than last year. So we're all excited for that summer break. So they're becoming more chatty. So we may have to do a rule review more often during the day. Um, so we, and we might have to focus more on rule number two 
um, raise your hand for permission to speak as much as we did maybe at the beginning of the school year. So kind of monitor your class and see um, at the end of the year, you may be doing it three times. You may have days where you need to do it more. Um, we definitely practice first thing in the morning. Um, then we practice again before we start our reading block. And then also before and after lunch and recesses. And as I said, we add in those extra practices if we need to. So there, you know, the rule of thumb for elementary teachers is three to five um, times a day to rehearse those rules. But, but you, you know your classroom best. So what about you, Rhonda? Um, how do you incorporate the rule review into your classroom? Well, I definitely do it about three to five times a day. Um, I think I kind of mentioned it on the last podcast when we were talking about classroom rules that I have it in my lesson plans. Yes. Um, and anytime we are out of the room and come back in is kind of a good time where I plug those rule rehearsals in. Um, I did want to mention too, like if I have a substitute in my lesson plans where I have this real rehearsal practice, I will assign a student leader. So the sub doesn't have to worry about that, especially if they're not familiar with whole brain teaching. I just let those student leaders kind of st step up and do the role rehearsals for the substitute, just as a reminder to them, because I definitely want it kept up when I'm not there, just exactly. as a reminder of what they need to be doing with that substitute teacher. So yeah, that's a good point. Good point. Yeah. Um, do you have, uh, like, do, are these rules something that are incorporated throughout your school? Like, so if your kids go to a special, um, do they review these rules in a special or something like that? Um, they're just basically in your classroom and maybe a couple Basically others? in my classroom, I do have some teachers in my department that use not the current Hillbring teaching rules. They're mm -hmm. still using some of the older, older ones that we have. But when I go to specials, no. Um, I remind them sometimes when we go in, you know, be sure to uh, make smart choices. Um, or I might remind them show, if there's a substitute for that special show them glorious kindness and make sure that you're doing positive leadership. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of sometimes remind them before they go into that special, yes. Yes. just to kind of reinforce my expectations with them, even when I'm not with them during the yes. day. So. I'm glad you brought that up about having a student lead those, those rural reviews when you are out of the classroom. And I definitely do that too. And actually you were the one that suggested, because I was like having a really hard time a couple of years ago and just getting those rural reviews in. And you were the one that suggested to me to put those in your lesson plans. And I use smart board technology. So I literally have those like, it's kind of like my flip chart. If you want to think of the old right. way, the old mm -hmm. style of teaching. And so I put those rules like in the places on the smart board slides where we need to do a role review. So I want to thank you for that. Cause that was such a good sure. idea. And I've been doing that ever since. And it has made a world of difference. It really has. Um, yeah, it's just, I'm forgetful. So oh, for I sure. felt like I had to put it down on paper so that when I look at my lesson plans, I can, Oh yeah, we need to do this. And then I think too, once you have them in place, it becomes routine. Absolutely. Yeah. And actually the kids can kind of go, you know, if it's been like all morning since you've had a rule review, you might have a kid or two that's just like, shouldn't we be doing a rule review about now? So, exactly. But uh, yeah, so we have the same rules throughout our school. We use whole brain teaching, but I will say that um, 
some classrooms don't practice them that three to five times a day. So they may go into a special and, and those rules aren't really adhered to as strictly as maybe, or practice as much as I do in my classroom. So I think that's a great idea to remind your students as they're coming and going from specials or recess or lunch or wherever, um, of what your expectations are as far as, um, those whole brain teaching classroom rules. So, yeah. So once you, once students know these rules well enough, to do them um, without mirroring you, without using that whole brain teaching cycle, or like you said, they can uh, lead them as student leaders, you'll be ready for the next step, which is the rule callouts. So what exactly do we mean by rule callouts, Rhonda? Well, this is the true power of the whole brain teaching classroom rules. When a student is breaking a rule, instead of engaging in an argument, which helps to fuel the fire of any beloved rascal, do a rule call out. Mm-hmm. And I would have to say, probably it's not always necessarily a beloved rascal. So sure. this will apply to anybody and everybody that's forgetting the rule, but sure. simply call out the rule number and the class shouts out the rule and does the gesture just as they do in a rules review. Mm-hmm. Using this procedure works to address and correct the behavior without direct conflict and unites a class behind your leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, I will have to say, um, this has been a struggle this year with um, talking, like what we had talked about earlier. Sure. And so we're doing a lot of rule callouts for number two. Mm-hmm. But um, I will say that I've also started um, tying in rule five, you know, making our dear team stronger to kind of reinforce that when I hear a lot of talking or if the rule two call out doesn't work, you know, and I still hear some talking or we have some blurters then I've been able to tie in rule that rule five a little bit. And I think that has helped. So um, can you give any examples from your classroom? Yeah, definitely. I'm thinking about that rule too, you know, right now, the <laughs> end of the school year. Of year. Yeah. yeah, it's just that time of the year. And, and also I would say at the beginning of the year too, because you've got these new kids. And like you said, they may, may or may not be coming from a classroom environment where the rules were rehearsed, or maybe they didn't have those rules at all in their last mm-hmm. classroom. And so, um, we at the, I can remember with this year, plus having the five months off due to COVID and um, mm-hmm. shutting down our schools, you know, I had kids coming in, just talking over me, talking over each other. And it kind of regresses back to that, if you will, towards the end of the year, like I said, because I think everybody's excited about um, summer break, but we definitely do a lot of rule two call out. I love how you said you tie that in with the rule five call out because um, and I don't remember who mentioned that, if it was Andre when, um, or, or Sarah, but anyway, I feel like we had talked about that with one of them on the podcast and I never really put um, those two things together that, you know, all these rules kind of lead up, or maybe we talked about it on our, on our classroom podcast. Okay. <laughs> They're all running together, sure. <laughs> but, oh, absolutely. Um, you know, it's like you, it, it all really, they all kind of lend themselves to making your dear team stronger. And, you know, so, so what are you going to do as that individual student? And maybe that mm-hmm. is that you're blurting out and we need to, you know, rein that in. Um, so doing that rule five call out, I think is, is so important. So I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm glad you yeah. mentioned that. Yeah. So, so that is the rule call out. I really like the rule call out a lot. Um, But the next thing that we wanted to talk about was wrong way, right way practice. And 
full disclosure, I teach at a PBIS school. And so we were, we were told early on that we cannot have students practice the wrong way. I know it was, <laughs> I don't get that, but I know, I know. Um, yeah, I was really bummed about that because I remember doing that at um, the old school where I taught prior to the school that I'm teaching mm-hmm. in now. And um, oh, the kids had so much fun just practicing the wrong way. But since I'm in a PBIS school and I really haven't used this strategy um, very much in the last four years, I was wondering if you could talk about the wrong way, right, right way practice a little bit. Absolutely. So if you want faster transitions, or maybe you don't like some of the procedures, um, I won't say not like them, but if they're Mm -hmm. not where you want them to be, you have to teach, um, we have to practice. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of a fun way to do that practice. So for more engagement, you practice using wrong way, right way, and you want students to move quickly to the rug, have them do it the wrong way. This is where we can celebrate those beloved rascals that do the wrong way so tremendously well. And um, that's because you've asked them to do it. The beauty is them breaking the rules typically gets them in trouble, but not with the wrong way, right way practice. Mm -hmm. You actually praise them for practicing it the wrong way. Typically, um, we say wrong way. We want students to show us what the rules would look like two grades below their current grade level. So I'd ask my second graders to show me how a kindergarten would practice this rule and then have them practice the rule the right way. And we want our students to show us the right way we're asking them to behave two grade levels above their current grade level. Mm -hmm. So my second graders would practice like fourth graders, but you can also tie in, um, show me the turtle way and the wolf way. And that goes along with our scoreboard as well. So either, I mean, I've done it both ways, especially, you know, if it's like lining up where they're doing more movement or coming up to the rug where I want them faster, I'll talk about turtle slow, wolf speed, you know, and things like that. So that kind of helps that a little bit. Um, Not only will you see a tremendous improvement that can be joyfully celebrated, but students are so proud to show how that they can behave in big ways, but they have a lot of fun doing the wrong way. It's just, I always giggle when I say, okay, show me wrong way, you know, and how exaggerated and, you know, they're just not quite sure if I'm going to be mad at them for how overboard they go with it, but I just kind of giggle and they have fun with it. And then boy, the right way looks almost perfect when they do that. So um, we have a lot of fun with that. And I do it with rural review as far as rule rehearsal, but like if I get, see them getting sloppy with their hands down and still, I'll have them do a wrong way, right way practice with that. So you can tie it in with the rules, but you can tie it in with so much other stuff too. Yeah. So um, that's about all I can say on that. But I will say you're kind of hesitant at first because you don't know how far they'll take it. But once you see how much fun that they have it and then the right way, I mean, I don't know. I think it's kind of worth it sometime. And I just feel bad that you can't do the wrong way because they have so much fun with that. I agree with you. And while we are a PBIS school and I can't like technically say, okay, we're going to practice the wrong way. I will say that if I do have some students that are not using full gestures or not turning quickly to my partner. Something I can say is, okay, now you guys have shown me the wrong way to do it. Now I want to see the right way. 
you know, Perfect. or now That's you've shown me idea. the turtle way to do it. Now I want to see the wolf way. So right. while I can't invite them into showing me on purpose, the wrong way, I can right. still use some of that. So if you're a PBIS school, you know, you just have to get creative, I guess. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, like I said, I think you, you've got good ideas of how you can tie that in with being a PBIS school as well. So yeah, yeah. next topic is the three-peat. So do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? I love the three-peat. Um, it's one of my uh, most favorite strategies to use. Um, so I don't know about you, but prior to whole brain teaching, I thought I would go crazy asking my kids to get something out of their desk for what seemed like the millionth time, or you just had those kiddos that were like turtle slow for lack of a better (laughs) word. You know, it's like everybody else was reaching for that pencil and they'd have it and they're ready to put their name on their paper. And then you'd have, you know, two or three kids that just can't find their pencil or, you know, whatever, just really slow. And this is where the three Pete adds a new level to rule number one, which is follow directions quickly. Mm -hmm. So how the three Pete works is you would say something like yellow folders out, and then your students respond with yellow folders out, yellow folders out, yellow folders out. So whatever you say, they repeat three times and then they pull out their yellow folders. And then, like I said, some students are going to be quicker than others. And so mm-hmm. when the folder is open to the correct page or they have their folder out, um, coach suggests that kids shoot both hands up in the air. They wiggle their fingers and happily say, yeah, or I think that we've said, woo, you know, we've done like a woo sound. Um, and they continue that celebration um, until you kind of sweep the hand dramatically across the air. And that's when you know that all kiddos have that yellow folder out. Um, this, this time of celebration really can be used to help students who might be slower to get their yellow folders out. So those students that take a little bit longer because maybe their desk is more of a mess or whatever, they're just maybe slower moving. Um, this gives everybody the chance to be successful in getting their materials out without um, being scolded. Um, so I use this strategy really with any transition in my classroom. Mm-hmm. I use it for lining up. I use it when we're on our carpet circles or at our desks and I say bodies up and they'll repeat mm-hmm. bodies up, 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 um, moving to a rug, moving to sitting down, um, taking out a pencil, turning to a certain page in a book, really the list goes on and on and on. Um, so how have you used the three P what's like been the most successful thing you've done with the three P in your class? Well, I think it's just with everything. I love, love, love the three P if, um, I think probably one of the best lifesavers for me is like name it, name on their paper or name at the top or however you want to say it. I mean, I get frustrated when you hand in a paper and there's no name and that kind of helps, um, get that done without, yeah. you know, having to search through the next day when you're grading papers, who, whose paper is who. So definitely like it for that. But all the transitions that you talked about, um, unfortunately, we can't go up to a rug this year, but just getting bodies up, getting in line, getting a pencil out, getting the reading folder out, just any of those. But I will have to be honest, I haven't, I haven't done the celebrations. Oh, I kind okay. of forgotten about that part yeah. of it. And haven't ever done that before. So might have to 
pull that out here towards the end just to kind of mix it up a little bit and maybe get those ones that are kind of turtle slow more, more into it. Maybe that will kind of jazz up the end of the year a little bit. I don't know, but yeah. Well, and what, and you know, and the fun thing about that is, you know, we have admitted, you know, oh, we've forgotten about that, you know, as far as that whole brain teaching strategy or whatever. But the, the thing is, is your kids don't know. So then you just say, Hey, it's the end of the year, you know, and you go in as right. if you've had this in your back pocket the whole time, you know, <laughs> yeah, and have kids do it towards the end of the year. I think that's a great idea. And, and so, there are no, I, don't know. I mean, I feel bad that I forgot that part about it, but maybe it will be something to jazz up the end of the sure. year. Sure. But... Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So that brings us to our next topic, which is the timer game. And so, um, what can you tell us about the timer game? Well, it's an easy way to turn, excuse me, turn transitions into a game and it's used to timer to set and break records. Before any transition, set a timer and record that time on the board and that's the class record. And then before the next transition, you set the timer again. And if you break the record, you celebrate with a super improver star. If you didn't break the record, you chant, we've got grit, we don't quit and you can also play by counting up instead of using a timer. So there's different ways that you can do this. You simply count up from zero, telling your students you will count slower when you see glorious kindness and positive leadership and faster when you don't. So this is definitely a different strategy, counting up instead of down. So teachers typically count down. I mean, I still hear this 10, nine, you know, and I have found that doing this sometimes just causes us to be more in a power struggle with those beloved rascals. So We count down from 20 and then we wait until four or three to start moving. And then, you know, you just got a major mess and it hasn't accomplished anything. Exactly. So as teachers, we can get into that all too frequent battle of the limbic system with our students. And I'm guilty of that. So oh, yeah. counting up allows us to keep our cool while playing a game of making and breaking records. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's adding fun to, to your day. And I think, I mean, we talk about funtricity a lot and I think, you know, kids want to have fun too. So anytime you can add a little bit of fun to help your cause as a Uh teacher, it's going to, it's going to be good. And I think you can do it for any of the rules on this, on this timer game. It does, you know, it doesn't have to be necessarily for transitions. It could be for, you know, anything. So let your imagination be your guide and, you know, just try this anytime you can. I mean, we still have a record of getting our dry erase out at seven seconds and I keep wanting to try to break it, but we can't for some reason. (laughs) But it's fun to watch them try and they really do. I mean, talk about building, building teamwork, you know, building a team or a team building exercise, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I mean, that timer game can really be a team building exercise. Yeah, because they'll, I mean, when they know I'm timing them, you know, they're like, okay, you know, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up, you know, and they're encouraging each other so they can try to break it. So win-win, you know, for the teacher and for the students. So have you used the timer or counting up strategies in your classroom? Okay. I'm guilty of using the timer for everything, but I will say (laughs) like I use the timer even, um, but, but let me go back and say that sometimes I will use a timer as a classroom management tool. Um, as in like for restroom breaks, just so that kids don't take 
forever. So in that case, it is more of the counting down. So you have three minutes for a drink and restroom break between math and reading. But as far as the using the stopwatch to see how fast we can do something. Yes, I use that for um, we do that sometimes for our rule reviews, like to see how fast we can um, say all our rules. Um, we use it for I will use the counting up for you know, coming to their carpet circle or seeing how fast, like you said, they can get their pencil out. I will say though, that I am probably more guilty of counting down. And so as we were talking about doing this podcast, that was something that I made like a mental note for myself that I really need to do more of the counting up. And when I was kind of looking over the website and it said, and just like you said, you know, when they're showing glorious kindness, when they're showing that positive leadership, I'm going to count slower, but when I'm not seeing those things, I'm going to count faster, you know? So even playing, playing the game that way, I think is like you said, it just adds so much fun, Tricity. And, um, it really kind of keeps the kids on their toes and helps them to, uh, build that community within your classroom. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. So Man, these are always such great conversations to have um, about the whole brain teaching rules and really just all the conversations I think we've had so far on these podcasts have been really rich and, and you've mentioned it and, and I'm mentioning it now, but they, they really help us go, oh yeah, I forgot about that. And so even with four weeks left in the school year, and by the time this airs, the school year may, may be over, but we still have those tools in our back pocket, even with you know, a month left of school. So um, remember that you want to introduce the things that we've talked about today after your students know the classroom rules without having you having to mirror you. So again, like Rhonda said, go back and listen to that very first classroom rule podcast that we did. Make sure your students really know those rules without, like you can have a student leader stand up and lead them instead of you. If you say rule one, your students know to say follow directions quickly. They don't have to mirror you. Then they're ready to go on to what we've discussed in this podcast. And these rules definitely do pack a lot of punch in your classroom. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a great reminder um, for me. Every time we do a podcast, it reminds me of all the tools we have with whole brain teaching and, um, can't talk enough about being blessed to have stumbled on to whole brain teaching um, to incorporate it in my classroom. Right. So um, remember to go to wholebrainteaching.com, our website, to learn all about the classroom rules as well as what we have discussed here on our part two of classroom rules. Yes, and don't forget that you can find videos there or check out our Instagram pages too. If you're wanting to know how to, you know, what the gestures look like for those um, rules, check out some videos. Um, it reminds me, um, that, oh, excuse me. I was going to say, if you haven't followed any of our grade level Facebook pages, we want to encourage you to do that as well for all the latest happenings with whole brain teaching. All right. We always love seeing your comments about the podcast on the Facebook or Instagram or through Podbean. So we are so thankful for you listening and sharing this podcast and we appreciate the comments that we we are seeing and I mean it just helps us wanting to keep pushing out this information yes, to yes. you guys so um, please share it with um, all the teachers in your life and 
know that we are always available to answer any questions that you might have about what we've discussed or how we do things in our classroom. So you can contact me at Rhonda Arlt at holbringteaching.com and it's Rhonda Arlt, just no spaces, all one word. Yeah. So I'd be happy to answer any of your questions that you might have. Yes. And you can contact me at Laura Forehand. Same thing, no spaces at wholebrainteaching.com. And also there are executive board members who would be more than happy to answer your questions as well. So you can find their email information on the Whole Brain Teaching website as well. Right. Um, Again, thank you for joining us today. We are always here for you. Our passion is helping other teachers with our Whole Brain Teaching journey. Absolutely. So continue to follow, like, and share this and all our podcasts with all the teachers in your life. We are so thankful for you listening today.